Knife Alley and welcome once again to the Rock and Roll Research Podcast where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Today's guest is Susan Griffin, who's had a wonderful career in the research and insights industry, among other things, having served as the chief marketing officer for Brain Juicer, which is now known as System One, and also having served on the Marketing Insights Council for the American Marketing Association with yours truly. And yeah. it was a great time. <laughs> yeah, great times. Lots, so lots of fun times. Absolutely, absolutely. But today, today, Susan is the principal of the Griffin and Skeggs Collaborative, where she works with clients in market research and beyond to develop big picture creative and marketing strategies. But I know Susan, and I know there's so much more to Susan than that. <laughs> <laughs> so I should tell you all about it today. So welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Uh, I'm really honored because uh, I can't say, you know, I, I'm 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 a I'm a groupie trying to advance my status to roadie in the in the rock and roll uh, <laughs> pantheon. But you know, hopefully, I won't disappoint. You, you know what? You're totally there, uh, and I can tell you that the honor is all mine. So awesome. so thank, thank you so you. much for for being on the show. So let's let's jump into it. So uh, I really want to know how you first got your start in the market research industry. And then, and then after that, maybe uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Griffin and Skanks. Sure, sure. So, um, the, you know, I've, I've been in the periphery of this industry for a very long time. And I find that most of us really are accidental tourists. You know, we, we yep. got into this business, um, not because, uh, you know, we, we woke up in, in, in third grade and said, I want to be a market researcher, although there's some people who do. Actually, it's funny. I once did a, um, a podcast um, for uh, uh, one of the associations, and um, I, I did it with a partner, and, and we led off with a, a variation on Willie Nelson's song, and we called it Mothers Don't Let Your Children Grow Up to Be Market Researchers. Um, but the way I yes. got into this business is really pretty funny. Um, I got out of college. I was underemployed. I had to make rent. And one of my housemates worked as a, a, a freelance market researcher and hired me to do door-to-door polling for Lewis Harris, dating myself, oh, wow. in South Boston. <laughs> and I was also doing phone polling, um, typically political phone pol polling for WBZ in Boston. I was living in Boston at the time. Mm -hmm. But basically, it was, it was to make rent. And it was fascinating to me. But I had other ambitions. But in, in my career, um, I kept bumping up against market research. I commissioned market research. I ate my weight in Twizzlers and pretzels behind the, <laughs> the glass wall. Um, right. and, and, it, and at one point I worked for an analyst firm and then I was recruited uh, by GMI, the uh, panel oh, wow. company. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually Brain Juicer was my client when I worked okay. for GMI. Um, and as you said, I, I served as CMO for uh, Brain Juicer for nine years, which was, which was fascinating. And then when, when I left in 2017, um, 
I, I realized that um, market research companies are actually pretty rubbish <laughs> at marketing themselves. I mean, yeah. here we are, we're, as an industry, yeah. we're telling our, our, our clients how to market themselves and their products to consumers. And yet we're really, it's really tough for us to market ourselves. Right. So I, I found that many people knew what I had done when I was a brain juicer. So I decided to set up consultancy to try to help other agencies in what I call the dark arts of marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, but it, it's, it's in some ways very intuitive, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, you know, I find that market research agencies need a spirit guide to help them find their way um, in, in telling their own stories and mm -hmm. in differentiating themselves. Exactly. Um, and so Griffin and Skaggs, we kind of run the gamut. We, we do marketing strategy, communication strategy. We create execution plans for various aspects of, of marketing. We do branding. Um, and uh, you know, overall, that that sort of um, virtuous circle of all of the components that make a, a good, make a marketing program that can actually generate revenue for for clients. At least that's right. like the thing. Yeah, we do. yeah. You know what? It just just as uh, our clients in market research need an outside voice. Sometimes it's it's abundantly clear that a lot of market research agencies need that outside perspective and, and helping to tell their story. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really tough, I think, for agencies, particularly now that the landscape is so fragmented in terms of the kinds of things that agencies do. Sure. Um, because most market research agencies have a tendency to um, tell you what they do Mm -hmm. as opposed to tell you the business problems they're solving for clients. Right. Yep. And that's what I, I, I try to, I, I, I really try to help, help clients understand. I mean, one of the things I like to tell clients is if you really want to market your market research agency, you've got to think like a baker. Right. right? And there's two kinds of bakers. There's the baker who says, we have butter, we have flour, we have sugar, we have ovens, we bake cakes. Do you mm -hmm. want some? Right. Then there's the baker who says, we help you make your most important life moments memorable with sweet confections. Right. And it's that, you know, it's the difference between saying we do conjoint and max diff versus saying we help you optimize your advertising spend or right. we help you create product innovations that will succeed in the marketplace you know mm -hmm. i mean and part of it's because um, the clients of market research right now are so time constrained they want to know what you can do for them right. in that Nanosecond. So anyway, that's, totally. that's my, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on a soapbox all the time, 
beating the drum about that narrative. You know, yeah. what's your narrative? What's your differentiation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've heard that time and time again. Tell me why you're different. Exactly. Just tell me why you're different. Exactly. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool, cool. So, so I know that uh, you have another passion that you've been cultivating your whole life and you're doing some cool stuff with, with your own side gig, which I believe is called uh, Wayward Creatives Entertainment. So yes. t- tell us a little bit about that as well. Um, again, when I, when I left, I, before I left Brain Juicer, you know, I've always been interested in the incubation of early stage storytelling in theater and films. And we are blessed with a, an amazing daughter who is literally a working actress. And over the course of her emerging as this creative and introducing us to the cohort of, of creative people around her in high school and in college, mm-hmm. I saw how difficult it was for playwrights, composers, even performers to, to, to get to base camp, right? right? And um, so I have this passion for incubating really early work. Now, my husband likes to try to remind me that this is not a business model. <laughs> I mean, just to, to frame it out, 95% of all Broadway shows never recoup their investments. Wow, it's, 95%? It's, it's staggering. Oh, that's um, amazing. So in my last year at Brain Juicer, I, I took a sabbatical. We, when you work for Brain Juicer for a certain number of years, you got a one month paid sabbatical. And instead of going to Fiji or learning to play golf, I offered myself as an intern to a producer who was producing a show in a festival, a, a, a new musical, a very, very early stage musical. Sure. Um, so after we made a lot of jokes about, uh, you know, Robert De Niro in the intern. <laughs> yeah, right? right, right. I basically started to learn the business of the business. Cool. And then I actually, subsequent to leaving Brain Juicer, while I was building Griffin and Skaggs Collaborative, I also took a lot of courses in producing theater. And so my side gig has been literally helping 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 shows plays playwrights get to that first stage um right. it's it's grueling the the trajectory for getting a show to broadway and again that 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 gargantuan statistic that 95 percent of shows that make it to broadway never are never profitable right um but that it takes typically 10 years to get a show from its first industry reading in a fluorescently lit room with music stands to the point where it's even off Broadway or in a regional theater company. Right. And so I've been doing a variety of things with emerging and not necessarily young, but emerging playwrights, performers, I imagine I, I, I produce a show for a, a drag comedian. I mean, yeah. I, I've been kind of all over the map, but um, there's something really 
astonishing about the tenacity and stamina of people who actually get work produced. And I just love being there. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. It's an absolutely grueling road, I'm sure, uh, as it is for musicians too. <laughs> to be a working musician is incredible. Um, but I have to ask because uh, we, we talked about this before. Uh, so uh, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you mentioned your daughter uh, oh. who, who was, uh, I, I know was, was in a Tony Award winning uh, show, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is great. Um, but she's working on a new project that's like super rock and roll. Is that something you can talk about? Um, well, I, talking about our daughter, how much time do you have? Um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 there is a, um, a musical called Gypsy, which is all about um, uh, a stage mother. And her, the character's name is Mama Rose. And I have been accused of being Mama Rose uh, a lot of times. So our daughter um, went to the, the high school that the movie Fame was based on. And then she went to Emerson College. But when she was in high school, she was cast in an off-Broadway show. And, you know, again, it, it, the, the percentage, it, another stat, at any given moment in time, in the actors union, 95, 97% of the members are out of work. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? So the, the, the percentage of performers who quote unquote make it mm -hmm. is ridiculously small. So again, stamina, tenacity. And you know, there's, there's, there are 17 unions that oversee 14 contracts on Broadway. And that ranges from the, the musicians to the hair and makeup people, to the press agents, to the actors. Um, it's, it's incredible. So anyway, Emily, Emily Skeggs is our, our daughter. She, um, she went to Emerson College, graduated, and she was auditioning, auditioning, auditioning. And she got called to be an understudy at the public theater in a, a production called Fun Home. And lo and behold, the woman she was understudying had to leave the, the show and she took over the role of the public. And then months and months and months and months and months went by and they transferred the show to Broadway. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a musical. Uh, it, it won the Tony the year before Hamilton won the Tony. Right. And uh, she was nominated in her first show um, for Amazing. a Tony for Best Supporting Actress. It's and it's funny because somebody said to me, I bet you were happy when Emily got that breakthrough because um, it's such a hard business. Because I, I, I bet you were worried that she wasn't going to make it. And I said, on the contrary, what I was worried about was that she was going to give up one audition shy of a breakthrough, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, so, so she went on to do a bunch of film and TV. Um, she's moved, she moved to LA. She she likes to remind me that even Meryl Streep was looking for work during the pandemic because <laughs> there's no theater and very yeah. few 
shows her shooting, but she was in um, a movie called Dinner in America um, where she played the lead and that premiered at Sundance last year. And okay. they just got distribution in the UK and we're hoping they'll get distribution in the US pretty soon. I mentioned awesome. the fact that we needed hours if I was gonna talk about Emily. But, you know, <laughs> what's interesting is that I think that when I look at market research, you know, mm -hmm. this may be an oblique line to, to draw. But <clears throat> when I particularly look at people in sales and market research, I, I have to look at it through the lens of that tenacity and stamina that I see yep. so often in theater, right? Right. Because I, I, if, if, you, if, if the research industry could just take a page from theater, you know? Right. I mean, brands take a page from theater. I mean, there's, there'll be a show, there'll be a show that, that makes it to Broadway, right? Mm -hmm. And then another show comes along and people start buying tickets to that show and the long running show starts losing market share, right? right? Well, isn't that the same thing as a brand used most often? Sure. Gets disintermediated by a, challenger brand right i mean right. there's so many lessons yeah. to be learned but i think the most important one is that that never give up that tenacity that finding a way um and, yeah um you know and it's funny because um our our daughter when we when she was little she she would say to me mom do we have to introduce ourselves to absolutely everyone? <laughs> and in a strange way, I think she kind of learned a little bit from me that the idea of networking and making connections, and sometimes those connections that aren't immediately going to reap some benefit, what I call the non-conditionable transaction. Yeah. Um, you know, giving, because it, 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 it keeps you top of mind. Um, yeah. So uh, she's, she has said that she's learned a lot about networking and, and leveraging her own connections by sort of watching me, um, which is kind of like a reality TV show. <laughs> oh, that's, that's really cool. I mean, you, you think of these as completely different industries that probably share nothing in common, but but you know, industries sort of have a structure that, that work similarly and there, there are lessons that can be drawn from one to the other. So that's, that's really right. cool. All right, Susan, so this, this, is, this is a podcast, right? Um, and uh, I know that you've already mentioned you've been on other podcasts. You probably listened to some as well. Are there any that you might recommend or, or maybe other media, either personally or professionally yes. that people might be uh, A podcast I recommend other than yours? <laughs> other than mine, other than mine. Which, by the way, is, is <laughs> phenomenal. I mean, I love the idea of you, you uncovering these, um, these very interesting sidebars and, 
you know, I wish I played in a band. No, I, I wouldn't be any <laughs> no, good. <you> don't. <laughs> um, I mean, I really think that you're doing a service to the industry by by showcasing the, the three-dimensional, 360 humanity of the people who work in market research. But other Thank than you. your podcast, I have become a huge fangirl of a podcast by two behavioral scientists. Um, uh, and it's called the Behavioral Grooves. They've done 219 podcasts with all the leading lights in um, behavioral science. And they're, they're, I don't know if you remember the old radio show, Car Talk. Yep. You know, very- Click and clack. (laughs) Click and clack, the the Catholic brothers, absolutely. But they made- they made um, they made things very human, and the 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 two guys who, who run behavioral grooves make behavioral science very accessible, and they are like excruciatingly smart in that very arcane, you know, art and science of understanding human behavior. Sure. They've worked with Dan Ariely, you know. But they make it so accessible and fun. So that's my that's my I'm I'm a huge fan girl of theirs. That's great. I will uh, I'll link to that uh, when I when I post this video. Awesome. They're great awesome. guys. They're from Minnesota. Hey, and, and, and actually, they're those are my people. <laughs> they're rock and roll too. Um, uh, Tim is a is a songwriter. Tim Houlihan is a songwriter. And okay. Um, they know every grunge and punk band that ever played in a sticky floor bar in You're speaking Seattle. my language. You're know, speaking my language. I've so, been to so all they of those are, bars. Um, <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are great. Super cool. Awesome. Well, uh, well, I'll definitely check that out. I'll link to it. And uh, I, might, uh, I might try and get in touch with those guys. I oh, I think you should. Talk about. <laughs> I, can, I can make that transaction happen. I can okay. make that marriage. Okay, we'll do that. All right, so so the all-important question, Susan. So we've talked some market research. We've talked some theater. I might have some guesses about where this <laughs> might go, but now it's now it's down to brass tacks. Okay. So you're stranded. Ready. On a, you're ready. Okay, you're stranded on a desert island. You have three records to keep you company for the rest of your days. Just three of your choosing. What are those records? Just three. Just three. All right. Well, first of all, would be the original cast album of Fun Home. Absolutely. Right? Personal um, connection there. And Emily's uh, song, which was Changing My Major to Joan. You have to listen to it. Okay. Um, second would be, um, I'm also a huge fan of jazz. And I had the privilege of working with Kurt Elling, who is the, one of the leading male jazz vocalists in the world right now, he has an album called Passion Worlds, where mm-hmm. he basically metaphorically went all over the globe and pulled songs and did jazz interpretations of them, you know, covered some, wrote some with another good friend of ours, Phil Galston, um, who's a Grammy-nominated songwriter. Um, so that would be the other second. I love that. That sounds cool. Third would be John Batiste. John, John Batiste. 
John Batiste is the musical director for Stephen Colbert. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay. Um, he wrote, he produced an album called Hollywood Africans. Um, he is a, a, a performer of color, grew up in New Orleans, I think. Um, just a phenomenal performer. And he actually is, he created the character and wrote the song that just won the Oscar for um, the Pixar movie, Soul. The animated oh, film about, wow. the, yeah. about the pianist. Right, right. Um, fascinating. If you don't know his work as a musician, he's just astonishing. I mean, really, and, and, and a generous human too. So, I mean, those are my three, except I would, I would sneak into my suitcase um, everything that Sondheim ever wrote, you know, okay. recordings of Sondheim. But that's, that's cheating. That's more than three. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's a back pocket, right? That's, yeah. That works. Um, yeah. Well, that's interesting because you, you picked three that uh, you've talked me into being intrigued by. So, uh, I'm so I love you, it. If you, if you <laughs> don't know Kurt Elling, um, he is, he's just an astonishing vocal performer. And he, um, he actually wrote a radio play noir musical that because of his fame premiered at Lincoln Center in the, in, in it jazz wow. at Lincoln Center in a 1200 <laughs> seat theater, you know, that never happens. It's amazing. Yeah. That never happens. And that's called the big blind. So um, watch for that. Cool. Awesome. Excellent. Well, really appreciate your time, Susan. It's always great to catch up as always. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. I hope we didn't run over long. And, no, 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 not at all. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing all the other rock and roll research rock stars that you showcase. Um, on the podcast. Well, thank you. I will keep doing it as long as I, I keep finding interesting guests. So far, so good. So, uh, so thank Shout you. Shout if I can help. All right. Absolutely. Thanks again for sharing your story, Susan, and rock and roll. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, uh, oh, wait a minute. No, jazz, <laughs> jazz hands. hands. Jazz hands. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Susan. Yeah.